Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Learning Future podcast. I am your host, Luca Parry. And today it's my delight to be speaking with Carissa Carter. She is a designer, geoscientist, and the academic director at the Stanford D School. Carissa drives the D School's pedagogy and teaches courses at the intersection of data and design, designed for climate maps or climate change, for, for maps, for visual sorting of information. And she helped lead the D School's seminal Stanford 2025 project on the future of higher education and pursues many, many projects at the crossover between design, science, and emerging technology. Carissa, it's fantastic to be speaking with you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really glad to be here. Um, I'm so, I'm just always excited to speak with you because um, I feel like the ideas you're exploring are ones really at the edge of, of learning, really. And so my first question is always, what's something you're learning at the moment or that you've learned recently? Something on the on the edge of learning is a funny way to to pose that, uh, given the answer I'm about to give you, which is absolutely not on the edge of learning at all. Uh, <laughs> I've I've really been thinking about getting a kiln at home for oh, ceramics, right? <laughs> and uh, it is not a realm that I have any sort of expertise in, uh, but I'm very fascinated by the the alchemy that comes with ceramics, you know, firing different clays at different temperatures in combination with the glazes. And I'm just trying to learn enough to figure out like how, how much of a kiln, like could I even handle at home? You know, like how, how expansive is my desire to uh -huh. get in, you know, into this subject matter with my actual ability to, or, you know, the, the power infrastructure of my home's ability to actually accommodate. <laughs> <Power a kiln>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. You have a whole room dedicated to it. You know, things get, oh, kind yeah, of, I mean, you know, they yeah, escalate you have to quickly. Rewire. <laughs> you have to get an electrician out, right? And like, so, so wow, it's uh, interesting. You know, well, so I'm, I, I'm learning a lot. I, I mean, I love what I love about that, Chris, though, is, you know, and you say this actually in your book, which congratulations, by the way, The Secret Language Thank of you. Maps how to tell visual stories with data. You know, that real talk is, you know, we're all beginners, you know, yes. all the time. It's just that so so rarely do we choose to be the beginner. Because <laughs> we, oh, right. as adults in particular, we feel quite safe. Um, so take us into, you know, the, the big idea that you've been exploring. One of the big ideas, I would even say, because again, there's just such a diversity of, of wonderful projects happening uh, at the Stanford D School. Yeah, what's this? what's this big idea that you've really kind of, alchemized In into a book yeah exactly yeah yeah i mean the book is called the secret language of maps and you know maybe 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 the thing i should say as the precursor is like well let's talk about what do i mean by map yeah cool. um you know like like a lot of us think of maps as the geographic representation exactly yeah. like an atlas here's what the continents look like here's what the oceans look like uh, but really i i think a map is a much broader definition and and i use a much broader definition that includes infographics that includes data visualizations frameworks uh charts mm. uh, essentially if if they're is information, right? If there's data that's presented visually, somewhat visually and organized spatially, I'm calling that a map. Interesting. And then I'm also interchanging that word, right? It's a data story, it's an infographic, it's ah. a data viz. I just, I don't wanna get into semantics. Map, map's a very welcoming term to me. Yeah. You can map, you can also make a map. Like, I love that. I love, I love the, I love the elegance of the word map. So um, this is a book yeah. about maps uh, yeah. in all of those senses. 
why I mean take us a, even a step before that why does a map matter you know what does it what does it do for us that maybe a story can't mm-hmm. I think you know if you think about you know maps are are presenting data it's some kind of data and we can we can talk all about how true data is mm-hmm. data surrounds us you can I'm 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 we're looking at each other. This is an audio recording, right? But we are looking at each other and I could count the number of white bins behind you, the lines and the bricks on the wall, uh, the, the, I could calculate the size of your smile. Um, there's devices connected to each of us that are tracking mm. us, right? Data is absolutely everywhere. And it's being presented all the time, right? Misinformation mm. is rampant and data literacy is critical for everyone everywhere, mm. no matter what your field, no matter what your your domain is. We we have to be citizens of the world, um, and we have to be able to both process what other people are creating and showing us that are visualizations, as well as create our own and yeah. and and show our own stories. I, I love this idea that, um, particularly, you know, looked at the, the bias data and craft. You know, mm-hmm. you're talking, you know, how we can deconstruct maps. So what I'm, what I'm hearing you say is, we need to be able to deconstruct maps around us to understand the bias, the data, you know, the observations, but and but simultaneously, we need to be able to construct them as well. Mm-hmm. And and we would be doing that implicitly anyway, you know, in how we might organize or categorize. You know, the human mind seems to be pretty pretty astute at that. But, <laughs> but sometimes, without the consciousness required to fully delve into depth about what is what is this actually showing us. Or, yeah. you know, and I love how you connect emotion to that as well. How do I feel when I see this map? Oh, you know, yeah. That's so interesting. Take us into that world a bit, you know, like the yeah, experience. Yeah, I mean, the, the, what you're hitting on, right, is, is the central thesis of the book is that absolutely every infographic, every map everywhere holds these three elements in tension with each other. Data, which is, you know, what is the collection of the data? How is it selected? How is it organized? Bias, mm. which is like, you know, what is my intention as the creator, your reception and your reaction to it as the viewer. And then also the, you know, the specific sub elements of the type of bias that's in the map itself. And then the third is craft. So craft is how it's made, right? Mm-hmm. What's the form of it? What's the material? What do the lines look like? What's the color? What's the text? What's the context that's shown in? And each of these three things, data, bias, craft, you pull on one, you tug on the other, right? right? They are, they're in this happy, creative, creative tension with each other because you can't separate them. Mm. There is no one ultimate truth or perfect way. And the more that you can appreciate that, you know, as a viewer of other people's work, other infographics that are out there, the better that you'll be as a creator of them yourself. That's so... I'm going to deep dive into into bias. We'll start with bias, but I'd love to just explore those three kind of constructs and yeah. how they interrelate. One one thing I do want to uh, is, is just share a quick story, Carissa, which is I love travel, and I, my mm-hmm. you know my mum's from Greece and my dad's from Wales, so I was always fascinated by the globe. And you know I had the Mercator projection on the wall for ages, and I was looking at this very traditional map of the world, um, as right. everyone would know, right? And then you know, because my parents were always quite curious, they replaced it with Peter's projection, which mm-hmm. is an equal area projection of land size. And all of a sudden I was like, what? 
You know, I thought Greenland was 10 times the size of India and Africa was not. And this idea that the bias built into these were very Eurocentric worldview uh, that cut off Antarctica completely. You know, and so I often think about maps in this way and sometimes I'll show this and, and share the final view, which is the Hobo Dwyer um, Pacific-centred Pacific South Up map, which everyone, mm -hmm. you kind of, you get this dissonance mm -hmm. because you all of a sudden you realise these biases we just accepted fully, you know. And so that, that I think is such a beautiful narrative of, ah, well, why is North Up? Who made that determine? Why is Europe enlarged? You know, why have we not created longitude and latitude that is actually equal in proportion? So that blew my mind when I figured that out. And, um, and I well, think go to go to World Mapper, Luca, and like look up the the world in proportion to sheep, oh. and like you know, and you know that, that Tell me more. what that right? It's like you know what you're calling out, right? Is like well, what are you when you're biasing towards, um, you know, the size of continents at a certain uh, latitude and longitude? That's one thing. Yeah. You may bias towards the equal area landmass, but you could bias towards any number of variables. Right. Right. And there's this, you know, world mapper uh, tool and you can, and this, this one, this one graphic I found on the Twitter hashtag amazing map uh, right, right. where they, they posted the world in proportion to sheep. Right. And so <laughs> all of a sudden, like New Zealand's uh, enormous. <laughs> oh yeah. New Zealand is like chubby as all anything. <laughs> Right. And in North America is entirely emaciated. Yeah. Right. And it's just like it, it's comical, but it's also true. Right. Like yes. whatever you're orienting against primarily is your bias. Yeah. You know, and that's it's bias isn't always bad. Right. Mm. It's the lens you're using, but it can be bad. Right. So it's all intertwined. Mm, I love that. I mean, obviously for anyone working in a school or in any in the e-learning ecosystem, higher education, even workplaces, being able to discern that bias seems to be one of the mm -hmm. critical abilities that we need, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, information is free, it's ubiquitous, and yet what's the agenda? And you have this wonderful kind of thing, you know, every map has an agenda. Right. Now, wouldn't that be a great starting point? It's like, what is this, you know, rather than saying, oh, that's a pretty infographic. It's like, what's the, what might be the agenda mm -hmm. of this? Yeah, I, I talk about four categories of maybe like increasing intensity of agenda that you may find in, in any map. Mm. It's, you know, at the kind of the least amount of agenda from the map maker and the least like, uh, you know, like intent or like intensity of point of view from the map maker, you know, they might create a map to invite you into an idea. So like, mm. come on in, like, here's that here's that geographic map like explore see you may find a new place name or realize there's a tall mountain near you yeah. if we up that intensity there's a, a category of maps that are really about you know telling so they have a point that they would like to make right and that that you know what you do at that point that's that's up to you right but but i'm trying to get a get some information across mm. And then there's a, you know, a category of maps that's about revealing. So like a ta-da, like they, uh -huh. they suck you in and then, <laughs> oh my goodness, you realize what that's really about. So there's that aha moment. And that's really part of like the storytelling that's woven through there. 
Mm. And that has to be well designed, you know, you know, and then finally, like up, up the most intense, right, is about manipulation. So there's a category of maps about manipulating, right. where the the creator creators may have really intentions that I, they maybe they're positive, and they're trying to like shift behavior in a certain way, mm -hmm. or, you know, maybe they're less positive, right? They're trying to twist that data to to show something that is beneficial or some people, but not for others. Or nefarious. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so, that is so interesting. I just think about all the examples we'd be bombarded by in a single day, oh, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. just how we were, <laughs> um, you know, edu health, education, policy, politics, uh, politics in particular is um, mm -hmm. particularly um, revealing. Uh, I'd love you. So take us into the, the deconstruction process as well. I'm really interested yeah. in this idea because I think part of, part of being conscious of the bias is to be able to deconstruct well, actually what's happening as I engage with this map. Yeah. Uh, the deconstruction is a technique that, that, I, that I show in the, in the top half of the book. And, you know, the whole point of doing a deconstruction is, is if you could think about it, like let's say let's say you have an interest in creating a, a new toaster, a new way to cook bread, right? Like <laughs> it would make sense to to take apart a working toaster today mm. and see what all the parts are, see yeah. how they were put together uh, before you put it back together. And you may put it back together the same way, or you may put it back together differently. But you need to know what the elements are. Mm. And so this is a technique for deconstructing any map or infographic along the elements of data bias and craft. So it's as simple as you look at the infographic and right away, which emotions do you feel, right? And they're all valid. Mm. Okay, so this is very important. If it's confusing, you write confusing. You know, um, <laughs> if it's calming, you write that. If it's energizing, you write that. You're only articulating an emotion, right? So this is really seeing the, you know, the, your, how it's landing with you as a human for whatever reason. You know, then the next step is to, well, let's deconstruct that emotion. Why are you having those feelings? Now, this is where things start to get interesting because like, that confusion that you saw or that you felt could come from the fact that there's a lot of data points in here and you're not quite sure where, the, what the boundaries are of it, mm. you know, what was included, what wasn't included and why. So that could be why you're confused. Um, mm. You might feel calm because of the color palette that was chosen uh, or like the fact that they, you know, set the map up to be, you know, to look like rings of a tree growing or, uh -huh, you know, so yes. you're starting to say why, and then you di dive a click deeper there and you say, well, well, how is that happening? What is, you know, so like essentially like, what has that, that map ma maker done to mm. allow, allow that to come to pass? Well, I felt calm because they picked up like this pastel color palette <laughs> that is very much just associated with, you know, the sunrise, Yeah. you know, so like, and so like, right then you've, you've deconstructed how that map feels calm. Right. And that's where that one, you know, you can say like, oh, and that's really about craft. Yeah. You know, if I go back to the, the confusion, you know, and I don't know where the boundaries of this data is, well, how's that happening is maybe that data wasn't labeled, right? Maybe the sources are not clear. Maybe mm. it's, 
hard to figure out where one category starts and one ends. And some of those, you know, and then like that, like a lot of that, like is about how that data may have been organized. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like I've deconstructed in that confusion, you know, whether or not that was intentional for me as the viewer has come from the set of choices that the creator made. I'd, I'd love, let's keep going on this craft piece. Cause I, I love this mm -hmm. idea, you know, as, as you say, looks matter, particularly mm -hmm. when we're, when we're looking and, you know, and maps yeah. and visual description. Yeah. So take us through some of the continua that you use in the book, you know, between, you know, kind of understandable, more unique, because I, I really feel like sometimes we go, oh, that looks pretty, but we don't, oh, that's kind of, that's, that's nice. But we don't realize the craft involved in, in, you know, choosing the palette. I mean, unless you're a, a kind of a graphic designer, which you, that would be your kind of your own craft, but, you know, particularly in, in education, often, you know, we, we, if we put some data together, we might not have this, have kind of the deep skill around craft. Um, mm -hmm. I certainly wouldn't have had as an educator in a classroom, for example, is making it up as you go. So yeah, take us into some of the different components, form, material, color, text, context. I think that's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, if you're starting off and you're, if you don't consider yourself a, any kind of graphic designer, like great, pick one thing that you want to try mm. and always, always, always look at, look at other maps and infographics that you really love, deconstruct it you know, think about what elements of craft are happening there and then like, okay, how could I do that myself? So really, really learn from what already is out there and what looks good to you. Yeah. Some of the elements in here. So context is one that I think a lot of, a lot of people, no matter if you have graphic skill or not can play with. And what that means is where, where is the viewer experiencing the map that you're making? Uh, are they are they looking at it on their phone? Um, are they meant to be, you know, is this something that you want to reveal at the next school board meeting? And therefore, all of the people that are going to be attending that meeting are going to walk down a long hallway and you might be able to use that hallway to create something to fill out an infographic that like unveils itself down the hallway. Yeah. You know, like think about how you might use the context you have in a unique way. Um, and you don't need a lot of skill to be able to do that. That may be mm. about like, you know, just being a slightly unexpected. Yeah. yeah you know, there's cool. elements in here too. They're very much about um, color, uh, color palette, right? Like, like in different cultures, different colors come loaded with different types of meaning. Mm. Um, mm. you know, like what does red mean? What does pink mean? Does red mean danger? Does pink mean, um, feminine? Um, you know, and it, in it, it, it de depends, right? It totally yeah. depends on your community. Yeah. And so to be really intentional with, with the colors you do choose, mm. you text, right? <laughs> your words, your words go a really long way. Mm. The title you use on something can set the vibe. You know, it could be something worded very boring and exactly zero people will go further than the title, right? Or, yeah. You know, yeah. or, or it could be whimsical and welcoming, yeah. Yeah. you know? And so there's like, there's a few of these things that you don't have to be a graphic artist, but they really are about craft that go a long way.
and and anyone anyone should feel feel like that's in their wheelhouse i i love it i really love it the the last piece i guess is around the data itself the collection selection and organization i mean all of us would understand you know uh, i mean I, actually by the way i love how how like nerdy this conversation is in a way it's just so <laughs> you know it's kind of got that and yet these are so ubiquitous i kind of feel like part right. of this work that you're doing chris is expanding one's our understanding the public consciousness about how maps shape so much of our world and our <laughs> learning our economies and our societies perhaps so it's so this piece around you know we know what a bar graph and a, you know a pie graph pie chart might be you know the the old functions that are on excel or on pages and you know these kinds of things you know but Again, those are still decisions that we can make. We can go well beyond that. Um, and mm -hmm. so what are some examples you might share of being more unique than, you know, kind of very recognizable? Like what are some other ways that we can kind of categorize, organize, display um, that data? I think the first way is to not try to decide on what's that way. Okay, so like, let's like so back it up back mm. when you're figuring out what's interesting in your data mm. to actually take the time to do what I like to call explore before you explain. Mm -hmm. So how can I take the data that I have and slice it all these different ways using different types of frameworks and figure out what's tr truly interesting. Yeah. And and this takes some time and it can pay off, you know, in wonders. One of my my most favorite, you know, frame frameworks to use, maps to use is mm -hmm. a continuum. And so you take your data set and like find, you know, align with two arrows is a continuum. Yes. So that's it, nothing fancy. Uh, three common types of continuum. So there could be timelines. So if you're gonna organize what you have from then to now, what does it look like? There can be tensions. Right. So like, what are all the interesting tensions in what you have? Right. Um, you you get to you get to really like 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 label a bunch of them and then like what kind of data from your set would appear over here to over here. Then there's transitions like what happened in before times to after times uh -huh, or like uh -huh. before something changed and then like after the all the ice on the planet melted. Right. So. Yeah find timelines transition tensions in what you have and you know and then go from there so use you know you know and then you know i'm working my way to the question you initially had right so, oh, so like you know like use a you know a, a powers of 10 you know scale mm -hmm. shift diagram to you know look at what's at the core and then scale it up and scale it up look at it from 30,000 feet like like the Eames is dead. Um, you could use a metaphor, you know, if if this data set was a river, what would be the, the thalweg, the fast moving part of the river? What would be the shoreline? What would have eroded away? Um, if this data was a Venn diagram, mm. um, what would be in the overlap? You know, like what are two what are two things you could put in each of the main parts? But importantly, what would be in that overlap? And each each new framework, each new way of looking at your data will show you something different. They won't all be interesting. And but something will happen. It's like it's like if you if you wear glasses and you go to the eye doctor and they they do that thing where it's like uh, yeah, is this they... one more in focus or this one more in focus? <laughs> a or B yeah, or A or B. Thing. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right? Um 
all of a sudden there's one where where it's like yes that's it mm. the words are clear uh-huh. right guaranteed you know you use different frameworks on your information you'll figure out oh this is the story that i need to tell yeah and then then the way you structure that final infographic like that's gonna that's going to happen we can we could talk for hours about how you get there (laughs) but it's so much more important to think about like figuring out like what's actually interesting don't just show me a bar chart of the info you have yeah yeah i it it dawns on me that this is this is absolutely a book about maps and it's it's so much around the process of mapping as well Mm -hmm. you know it's really Mm -hmm. what's the journey and i love this idea explore before you explain And I think we do all kind of shortcut to explanation too quickly without considering, you know, all of the different, the the ways that we might present data and use, you know, the craft and the form to make it really engaging and compelling um, in a a way where, you know, with whatever bias we might, (laughs) we might also hold. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'd I'd love for you to talk. because again, this this idea of, of mapping, I just really love. What what if you were to give some reflection, Carissa, on like the future of learning, like as, as a design ability or as you know, just a capability to understand this? Um, what would you say in twenty thirty? You know, like our ability to kind of to map might be or become. You know, and, and this might be the way that we think Ooh. about it in in schooling and learning with the work you do there at Stanford. I mean, you know, it's this idea of presenting and exploring, telling visual stories. Yeah, I think it's back to, you know, what I was talking about earlier, right? Is that data literacy, right? How are we gonna teach data literacy? I, in the same way that we teach reading and writing and math and, you know, every science, how are we teaching students to understand how data is collected and sorted and, you know, organized around us? Um, what's left out mm. is almost as important, if not more than what's included, yeah. right? And how do, how do they become smarter about, about you know, consumers of the data and information, um, how, you know, how they are pawns in a system, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you know, we are all used for our data. Yes. Right. That, that I mean, this feels like That's it's a, a whole, That's a, really <laughs> a whole, <good> <laughs> Sign everybody up now for that class, right? Because mm. I think it, this is this is what it's going to mean to be a, a you know productive productive citizen of the future. Mm. I, I think this this piece around I think you know intersects with things like discernment and critical thinking, um, mm-hmm. as well as as one, yeah, you know, being able to be a creator as well of of your own you know narrative. I think is so interesting, uh, and your point around data. Um, and maybe this is, this is just a, a bigger conversation, I guess, you know, we do seem to be in this moment where we don't understand how much of our own story is known by other companies, for example, you know, this attention right. economy or and Naomi Klein calls it surveillance capitalism, you know, mm-hmm. this idea that if, if it's a free product you're using, you might be the product, you know, I think mm-hmm. is a really powerful reflection. And so where do you think the, where do you, where do you think the world might go in terms of our our ability to understand data because at the moment even i'm quite ignorant frankly about how how my data is used and how how readily i give it away to 
anyone that offers right. me, you know, a little bit of convenience, <laughs> frankly. So. Absolutely. Me as well, right? Yeah. I mean, where how about where I hope where I hope it goes is that yeah. one is that, you know, we figure out what privacy means in this new in this new, you know, 20 years from now world, like hmm. what parts of my data are mine to own and decide how to share with you mm. who who owns the who owns that information how can i as the generator of that data whether that's just in my passive browsing habits or mm. you know something more active you know like do it can i choose to to sell that to an organization that would like to use it um or am i putting it up for you know anybody to gather you know what what is the distributed ecosystem that it may be yes. become a part of right i know that you and i both share an interest in you know interest in in you know, technologies that that help help us look at you know blockchain based systems yeah um right like and in you know data is intricately connected to that so no, that wasn't a very elegant answer. No, I, 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 you know, it's like it's all kind of swirling in there for me. But it, mm. it, more awareness, more ownership, more, more, you know, more, more intention by you know by way of by way of all of us that are the users of the information. Yeah, Chris, I think, you know, my, if you think about learning as understanding relationships between things or between people mm -hmm. between constructs. You know, that's also data, right? Like really, it's mm -hmm. understanding relationships between data points, data sets, um, yeah. you, know, you and I as data points. So I, I absolutely agree with, I share your same hope actually that, you know, and maybe Web3 will be one of the driving forces in this. And, you know, some of our colleagues at the Learning Economy Foundation that have been on this mm -hmm. podcast, by the way, um, a couple of times. So, you know, I think there is this moment where we're like, I agree, this raise in consciousness of, oh, actually, yeah, data is crucial it's critical it's everywhere mm -hmm. and i have some agency over my, and if i don't mm -hmm. have agency why don't i and, and what does that then cascade into um into the future i mean it would be very very interesting to see how that one all unfolds and one thing i think we agree on is that data literacy and understanding how it's being used portrayed uh shaped in to influence even manipulate us is mm -hmm. one of the key, you know, attributes that we would like for any graduate from any learning institution at any level. You know, how can you actually be more conscious of what's happening in the world around you and how you're being shaped by it? Exactly. So I would love um I would love for you to wrap all this up somehow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how. Maybe with a map would be great, but I don't know how to do that. Um in, a, in an audio podcast. But, you know, if you were to leave us with a take-home message uh, for the people listening uh, at home in whatever role they fulfill in kind of the learning ecosystem space, what's that take-home message? Anything can be visualized with a map, right? Any story you have, find your data story, right? What is that, what is that unique idea that you want to get across and then decide on well what what information needs to help support that how might i gather it like what could be included wrestle with 
the boundaries of the data, you know, you'll struggle with like, what, how strong do I want my point of view, my bias to come through? And then, you know, what is the, what is the craft of it? Where is it going to land? How, how, what visual feel, you know, do I want that to have? You don't have to have a huge data set to begin, right? You can start anywhere. You can, you can start with data. You can start with bias. You can start with craft. It, it doesn't matter, but just know that, that you can, you can make a map out of anything. Um, and if you'll, you'll notice that if you, if you do pick up a copy of, of my book, which I hope you do, um, there's actually a murder mystery, fictional murder mystery I was, I was bring that, that, up, yeah. <laughs> that, that I map, you know, you know, for you in this book as a, as a way to show you that anything can be visualized with a map. Uh, so I hope that, I hope that you, you take a look at the book, you, you enjoy reading it, but then, but then you try something, you know, pull something into your own, your own work life and figure out how this intersects with what you do. Carissa, it's, it's a fantastic, fantastic book. Um, I've always loved your work. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. And again, for really driving this, you know, this critical ability to be able to recognize as consumers and also to be creators around telling visual stories with our data. It's been great to have you. Thank you for, thank you for having me, Luca. It's been wonderful to be here. Awesome. So that was a conversation with Carissa Carter, phenomenal educator and designer at the Stanford D School. Her new book is called The Secret Language of Maps, How to Tell Visual Stories with Data. It's available everywhere. Check it out. Thank you for joining us. And again, I hope to see you next week.